Thank you, guys. Good morning, Calvary Slow family. It's good to see you. My name's Luke, and just excited to get the opportunity to share the word this morning and to, um, yeah, just have this time to um, continue this series through the book of Psalms. Uh, it's great to be able to worship together, even though we're doing it virtually. It's just a blessing that we can still meet this way, and we look forward to the time when we can be together. Uh, my family had the opportunity to go up to Hume Lake this past week with many families uh, from our church, and it was a great reminder of the just incredible fellowship and friendships uh, that our church family has, and just to get to spend time uh, with, with many people from our church was a, a huge blessing. And so uh, to all of you who were up there, it was great being with you guys, and if you get the chance next year, I encourage you to go, because Hume Lake is just a special uh, and magical place, um, and it was just great to be with everybody. Shout out to the Whitakers, Greg and Penny, because they are the equipment champions. They had something for everything that needed to be done, paddle boards, kayaks, chairs, lights, you know, they were just in sharing with everybody, and a huge blessing, so shout out to them. Um, but yeah, it's great to be together this morning. Um, to study God's Word. Uh, thank you, Aaron and Julia, for leading us in worship. It's great to sing hymns and just to worship our great God. So let's uh, let's dive in. Uh, we're in Psalm 86 this morning. If you have a Bible there at home, I encourage you to um, open it up to Psalm 86 and be an ESV. And um, yeah, it's just a powerful passage of Scripture. I really enjoyed getting to study this passage and dive into it. Uh, it's a prayer of David as he's praying and talking about the steadfast love of God in the midst of trouble or trial that he was in. And so we'll get a look at that. It's, there's a lot in this passage. It's 17 verses, but we'll do our best to go through it in the time that we have. And uh, and hopefully uh, we'll get to kind of join in with David uh, in this prayer as we um, look at him lifting up his request to God and proclaiming the character and goodness um, of God. So that's where we're at. My hope this morning, my goal, is that we will learn to come to God in prayer. So we're talking about prayer. And David gives us, in some ways, you know, he's a broken, a fallen man, just like um, like us. He gives us a glimpse, um, just a powerful prayer. And there's things that we can um, take David as an example of how we should pray. And so I hope that we'll learn uh, that when we come to God, we should come to him humbly. Um, also, that we would admit our need to God and that we would learn to put our hope and trust in the character and goodness of God as we make our request to him. So that's kind of where we're going. Uh, that's our, our hope for this morning. Um, yeah, let me pray for us, and then we'll begin. Lord Jesus, we worship you, and I thank you for our church. I thank you for um, the work that you're doing in and through the people of this church family uh, and through the body of Christ, Lord, around the world. And in the time when the world is in turmoil, we thank you that you are stable, that you are a firm foundation, and that we can be salt and light and a witness and um, an example of what it looks like to trust in a sovereign God and a good God. Um, be with us this morning, Lord, as we study this prayer and as we learn from David as he lifts up um, his request to you and as he cries out to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so here we go. I'm going to read the passage. Again, we're in Psalm 86, and then we will take some time and dive into it, okay? So Psalm 86, uh, this is, Great is your steadfast love. It's kind of the title and a prayer of David. Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my life, for I am godly. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for you, uh, for to you do I cry all the day. Gladden the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. 
Listen to my plea for grace. In the day of my trouble, I call upon you, for you answer me. There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may uh, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I give thanks to you, O Lord, my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. For great is your steadfast love toward me. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. O God, insolent men, men have risen up against me. A band of ruthless men seeks my life, and they do not set you before them. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Turn to me and be gracious to me. Give your strength to your servant and save the son of your maidservant. Show me a sign of your favor that those who hate me may see and be put to shame because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. Amen. So there's a lot there, and we won't be able to really go through all of it in depth, but there's some key passages that I want to emphasize as we'll kind of read back through it and look at it as David is um, crying out to God. Uh, in context, it's not real clear what stage of David's life this is. As I looked in commentaries and other places, it's not, not real clear. Um, and it probably could be said, you know, what, one thing that we do know for sure is that there were these insolent men or these people that were men that were trying to kill David. And that doesn't really help us because there were many times in life when uh, David's life when people were trying to help him. So it's not real clear when this happened, but I'm going to, to guess or assume that this is happening when he was uh, king, a little bit later in his life. And David is in a, t- a time of trouble. People are trying to, to kill him. He was at, um, had the threat of his life against him. People were threatening him. And he is crying out to God in this broken state saying, God, hear my cry. I need you. And he's pleading with the Lord for deliverance, that he would be saved, that he would be heard. And we'll see some of um, what David's needs are. And so there's a, kind of a few main points that we want to take away from David's prayer that I want to emphasize. Um, first is that David comes to God humbly, acknowledging his need. He cries out to God. David puts his hope in the steadfast character and promise of God. And David makes his request known to God with confidence and trust. And this gives us um, a little bit of a, of a template or an example to follow about coming to, coming to God, expressing our need that the posture and state of our heart should be one bowing before the Lord, crying out to him and saying, God, hear me, like David did. And then it's powerful, as we'll see and we'll unpack. David begins to proclaim the goodness of God and the character and nature of God. And that's a challenge for us to really take time to understand and know the nature and character of God. What are his attributes? What are the names of God? So that we can know the truths of who God is and not have um, misconceptions about the nature and character of God. So that we can claim uh, his promises and proclaim his name and his character and his goodness to him when we pray. So that when we make our request known to God and we, or we seek a, a sign from God, and we'll talk about what that might mean here in a minute, that we would do it with the right attitude, the right spirit, the right demeanor. David relies on the steadfast love and character of God in a time of trouble 
by coming to God humbly and acknowledging his need, proclaiming the goodness and character of God and seeking a sign or a reminder of God's covenant promise to David. Let's look at the passage again as we kind of go through it. Verse 1, Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. So we must come to God humbly, acknowledging our need. A few things that um, we see were David's need throughout this um, prayer. One, he says he has a need to be heard. Verse 1, hear me, O God. He had a need for protection. protection. Verse 2, verse 7, he says, preserve my life. He has a need for joy. There's an interesting way that this uh, um, translation interprets it. It says, gladden your servant. In verse uh, 4, maybe say, cheer me up. Lord, I'm, 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 I'm scared, I'm sad, I'm depressed. Um, the NIV says, bring joy to your servant. He has a need for instruction. Teach me your way that I may walk in your truth. Powerful uh, prayer or, or, or passage. Teach me your way that I may walk in your truth. Verse 11. Verse 16 has a need for strength. He says, give strength to your servant. He felt weak. He was probably tired, exhausted. He was leading, if he was king at this point or if he wasn't, he was leading either armies, he was leading people, he was tired, he was probably stressed, he was weak. He had a need for strength. Give me, give your strength to your servant. We all have uh, needs and desires and requests and hardships. And God wants us to bring our needs to him, to look to him to be the one to satisfy and to meet those needs. Um, verse 2 says, preserve my life for I am godly, for I am devoted to you, uh, is the way it says it in another translation in the NIV. Start off by saying we need to come to God humbly and to say, hey, I'm, I'm godly. That may not seem like the most humbly thing. I think what David is saying here, he's saying, Lord, I, I love you. I, I'm, I follow you. I worship you. I like how the NIV says it. For I am devoted to you. Preserve my life. I'm devoted to you. I'm one of your people. See my circumstance, my difficulty. I trust in you. To save your servant who trusts in you, you are my God. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you do I cry all the day. Gladden the soul of your servant, bring joy to your servant, for to you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. So he has this posture and demeanor where he's crying out to God in this state, and he's, he's being real. We see the authentic um, nature of David. Have you, have you ever cried out to God? What was the circumstance of your life or that you were going through? As you think about those times of uncertainty or fear or chaos, we, we don't know what the outcome is going to be. We're not uh, omniscient. We're not sovereign. We don't know the future. And when trial hits, when uncertainty hits, it's easy for us to, to freak out, for lack of better words. But as James said, it, as others have said, it's not a surprise to God. The things our, our country, our, our community are going through now are not a surprise to God. And the circumstances of your life, when, we, when you cry out to God, are not a surprise to him. And it's appropriate for us to cry out to the Lord. So it's a, for you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. I think this is probably one of the most um, significant or profound verses of this prayer. As he declares the goodness of God. There are many attributes of God, but God is a good God. And the enemy, Satan, will want to bring that into doubt in your life. He'll want to question that. I remember um, discussing a friend who was going through real trials with work and people bringing false accusation against him and potentially getting fired and losing you know, retirement, pension, all these things. 
And he was like, oh, I don't understand why God is, is doing this to me. And just trying to reaffirm him, God is for you. God is good. It's the enemy who wants to still kill and destroy. We need to be rooted and remember the goodness of God. For you, Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Listen to my plea for grace. In the day of my trouble, I call upon you, for you answer me. Romans ten thirteen says, For everyone who calls uh, on the name of the Lord will be saved. If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the, from the dead, you shall be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So that second point is that we must put our hope in the character and promises of God. And we see David do that. Um, as I was going through this, my wife and I were looking at it together and talking through it. And we started to list out some of the attributes of God or um, characteristics of God that we saw in this passage. There's 17 verses. I, and I later went through after we listed them out. There's actually 17 that we saw in here. Um, he says, you are God. So first of all, that he, God is divine. That he is um, the creator of the universe. That he is transcendent outside of our creative world, that he is God, that he is good, he's forgiving. He's steadfast, powerful word to, to think about, that God is steadfast, unmovable. He's loving, that God answers his people. He responds to our prayers. God is unique, the only true God, that he is great, it talks about in this chapter. You do wondrous works, David says. He's the author of truth. He's a deliverer. He's merciful. He's gracious. Slow to anger. I'm a father of two boys and now a young girl. And I love my boys to death. But I am very grateful for my father because he used to discipline me a lot. Because <laughs> I would, was a pretty uh, rambunctious young kid. But he would always do it um, from a place of calm and not out of anger. And I didn't like getting disciplined when I was little. But... Looking back, I so appreciate how my father showed me love and the love of God in his discipline by doing it not in anger. He would say, okay, go, you know, go to your room, and I'd go up there and wrestle you know, in my head. And he'd wait, and you know, a little while later, come upstairs and reason with me and talk with me. And um, He showed me restraint. And now as a father, sometimes I find myself you know, getting angry or frustrated with my boys who I love to death. But my goodness, they like to run and play and fight and who knows what. And that I, have, I, I want to have the attribute to be slow to anger. Praise God that he's slow to anger. He's faithful. He's strong. He's a helper. He's a comforter. Man, that is our God. He's a good God. And all of those attributes, David prayers in this one prayer. It's pretty amazing. Makes sense. He would go on. There's none like you among the gods, O Lord. Nor are there any works like yours. That's verse 8. So is David saying here that there are many gods and that Yahweh is the best one? Where he says, there is none like you among the gods? Well, he clears that up in verse 10. He says, you alone are God. So David's acknowledging there's lots of tribes and peoples and nations and they're worshiping and creating statues and, and idols and worshiping all different gods. With all different names and claims of their attributes and what they're about. We know in Greek mythology, all of the, the pantheon of gods and so on. And he's saying, there's none among, uh, there's none like you among the gods. In fact, you alone are God. You are the true God, the true and living God. Not just something made by man 
or something worshipped and praised by human beings, many gods. But you are the true and living God. You alone are God. It says, all the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name, for you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. It says, teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart and give me a... Undiv- or, or, it says, unite my heart to fear your name. The translation says, give me an undivided heart. I give thanks to you, O Lord, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. So, backing up, when we see David crying out to God, and um, in verse 7, it says, In the day of my trouble, I will call upon you, for you answer me. Um, I don't know what circumstances you're going through. As you reflect on your life, maybe a day of trouble, you can think of different things that have happened and hardships you faced or currently are facing. Um, I don't know if my uh, son thought we didn't, didn't have enough illustrations for our message this morning, not to speak lightly of it, but this last week we were at Hume Lake, and I thought I would just share an example of you for our family, just crying out to the Lord. Um, we were up at Hume, and, and we were playing at the lake and doing all kinds of stuff, and the kids were having a blast. And the, one of the last days on Friday, we went to the pool, and I have a four-year-old and two-and-a-half-year-old, and we were, they were playing and just having a blast. If you ask Isaac what was your highlight of the week, he would say jumping off the diving board in the pool. Well, Caleb loves to follow his older brother. And he decided, you know, to start going up there. So we're watching him real close. And he got really good at it. It's a one-meter diving, diving board. And he's climbing up the ladder and he's walking off. He probably did it 20 times. I mean, they just kept going and going and just jumping on with their little floaty and having a blast at the pool. So we got comfortable with our kids doing this. And after a little while, you know, they're going and we're in the water waiting for him to jump, not standing next to him. And I'm looking one way, and, and, and we just hear this big smack and this gasp of, you know, the, all the people at the pool. And then you start to hear this long pause, which when your kid is getting injured, a long pause is usually not a good thing because it's about to be followed by a loud and long scream or cry. And Caleb had fallen off. He had slipped as he was walking on the diving board and slipped and fallen off, hit his side and hit his head on the concrete from about a three-foot, uh, you know, drop. And he starts screaming and crying. And, you know, just fear sets in as a parent. I swim over and get out of the pool. And others had gathered around. And we pick, a, you know, we kind of assess him. Can we pick him up? You know, what's going on? And is there blood? And, and he had hit his head hard. And we didn't know, you know, how he was doing. And we were all concerned. And many from our church family were there and began to pray with us. And, and we, you know, we tried to comfort him, eventually left and assessed, okay, he's, you know, no, no blood and, and so on. We eventually took him to the nurse and she assessed, you know, for concussion. He didn't have any of the symptoms, symptoms of concussion, praise God. And then that night, you know, we put him down and, and anytime he touched that side of his head at all, you know, even his hair, he would, he would scream and cry. And throughout the night, he woke up all throughout the night, you know, anytime he would rotate over and put his head down. And Kate and I, you know, we were scared and concerned and began to just pray. Um, and cry out to God, Lord, protect our little guy. You're a God who's a healer. You're a great physician. Heal him, be with him. And, you know, it's just, there's circumstances that we go through. And praise God that we have a God who can hear our cries. And he responds, he answers. Uh, just as an update, and I just want to say thank you to those of you who knew of this or were there that were praying for us. We got texts from James' wife, Wendy, just saying, hey, she woke up throughout the night, just being feeling led to pray. 
Um, and so as David is praying for himself, we see other times in examples of scriptures that we pray on behalf of others, and many of you were, were praying for us. And I'm glad to report that Caleb is doing great. He was putting on a hat the next morning himself and didn't have the pain. And the next morning I took him just some father-son time one-on-one. I took him fishing. I tried fishing up at Hume Lake. I put in hours to, embarrassed to admit, hours trying to catch fish. I hardly caught any. Isaac, my son, caught two. And Caleb caught this one, probably one of the biggest ones we caught, and another one, you know, within like, four, I was maybe fished for four hours over the time. He fished for four seconds, and he caught this fish. So he's doing great, and he's feeling better. Um, so that's a blessing, and it's just, it's fun to be a father of boys, but man, it can be scary, and they can lead you to, to cry out to God. And God answers us. Both my mom and dad, uh, two weeks ago, got diagnosed with COVID-19 down in Los Angeles, and they're in their early 60s, and we were... Again, crying out to God, Lord, please protect my parents. We hear the, the challenges that people that are older face. Um, but they're doing better. I talked to them on the drive home, and they were said, yeah, we're about 95% recovered. Praise God. But another time where I was, you know, crying out to God. So God hears, and God, um, God answers. Amen? I heard you say amen to the camera. I know some of you responded probably back to me. So here it says, teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart. Give me an undivided heart to fear your name. I give thanks to you, O Lord, my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name. We know that David is said to have be a man um, after God's own heart. And in Acts 13, Paul is traveling um, and eventually goes to Antioch and uh, Pisidia. And when he's there... Um, he, he's talking to in a synagogue to the Jewish people, and he's recounting about the life of David. It says, "Then they asked for a king. A God gave them Saul, son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for forty years. And when he had removed him, he raised up David to be the king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. Of this man's offspring, God has brought." to Israel, a savior, Jesus, as he promised. So God had a covenant promise with David, and David was a man after God's own heart. Verse 13 says, For great is your steadfast love toward me. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. And he says, The grave. O God, insolent men have risen up against me. A band of ruthless men seek my life, and they do not set you before them. Kind of interesting way to say it. Some of these, the, the wording. Um, insolent men, they have, they have not set you before them. The translation again says, they have no regard for you. But you, O Lord, are God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. He repeats that again. And so we see here, um, David begin to shift and make a request to God. So he acknowledges his need. He, he proclaims the goodness and character of God. And then he makes his need known um, to the Lord. So we also must make our request known to God. And to do it with confidence and with hope for us in Christ. He says, turn to me and be gracious to me. Give me your strength, or sorry, give your strength to your servant and save the son of your maidservant. Show me a sign of your favor that those who hate me may see and be put to shame. Because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. So as we wrap it up here, we see this request of David. And it's an interesting request because he says, show me a sign of your favor that those who hate me may be put to shame. Have you ever 
uh, felt that way? Have you ever had a serious or strong conflict with somebody or somebody that was attacking you or opposing you or criticizing you or slandering you? And you're saying, God, show me your favor and, and put them to shame or shame them. Again, we can relate to David maybe in this. I don't know uh, if that's how, the right thing to do. I'm not sure if we're supposed to do that, to seek shame for our opponents or enemies. But here we see David do that. It's very, very real of what he was facing. And I want to just emphasize this. He says, show me a sign of your favor. David asked God to hear him, strengthen him, save him, and show him a sign of his favor. These are his requests of God. Hear me, strengthen me, save me. Give me a sign of your favor. There's a lot of examples in, in the Old Testament, especially of people asking for a sign. We know of Gideon with the fleece. He puts it out. He says, if the dew is on the grass and not on the fleece, then I know. And he says, oh, wow, it worked. Well, you know, let me try it again. If it's on the fleece and not the grass, you know, and, and so he's seeking a sign before he's going to be going into battle with, with really difficult odds. Um, and we see Jesus actually rebuking the Pharisees when they come to him and are asking for a sign. In John 2, 18 to 20, the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us of you doing these things? After he flips over the, the tables and he's criticizing them that this is my father's house, it's your house of prayer. What sign do you show us of you doing these things? Jesus answered, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple. And will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered what he had uh, that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. So here, when the Pharisees were asking for a sign and looking for a sign, I think for us today, when we think about what sign should we come to God and be continually asking him for a sign or showing us little micro miracles maybe to know which way we should go or what decision we can make, the sign that we can look to with great confidence and hope is the sign of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. That in light of what Christ had accomplished, you know, there's other times he says, like Jonah in the belly of the whale, three days. So, you know, and, and he used that as, as a symbol pointing to Christ, to the Messiah. The sign that we have um, is one that has already taken place that we can look to and find confidence and hope of a faithful God who is going to restore, who's going to save, who does redeem. That that is our ultimate sign. And in light of the historical reality and truth of the resurrection that Jesus Christ was, was buried, was in the grave, defeated death, that gives us hope that the other um, prophecies and proclamations and truths about what the Bible says about Christ return and about the fact that we will be resurrected, that we will be with God in glory, that we can have confidence and hope in those truths in light of what Christ has done. So is it, is it wrong to ask God for a sign? No. But all of the, the signs, those things, they, they pale com, compared to the ultimate sign, which is what Christ has done and what he has accomplished for us. Amen. So, the application as we kind of wrap it up, as we've looked at this passage, we must learn to acknowledge our need before God. 1 Peter 5, 5 tells us that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. It says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that he might, um, so at the proper time he might, he may exalt you. So as we humble ourselves before God, acknowledge our need, God will see and he responds. Be diligent to study and discover or memorize the character and the nature and the attributes of God so that we can pray and proclaim back to God his goodness, his faithfulness. 
that list of 70 things. His, he's a deliverer, merciful, gracious. He's faithful. He's strong. He's a helper. That we can, we can glorify God in our worship and speak accurately to Him in praise to, of who He is. As we record God's wondrous acts, as you record God's wondrous acts in your life and you think about the things that God has done, they can serve as reminders of His faithfulness. And then we can ultimately look to Christ and His redemption as our ultimate sign. You know, you can imagine with David, there was many circumstances that he had gone through, through defeating the wild beast and Goliath and being spared from Saul and all of the things that had, had taken place in his life. And he could look back and remember God's faithfulness in those times to give him hope in his current circumstance. Talks about the wondrous acts of God. Being up at Hume Lake, again, I know I've um, been referencing that because it's just fresh in, in my mind this week, but um, that place has been a really significant place in my life. I gave my life to the Lord there and it's in fourth grade, uh, maybe going into fifth grade. And um, going up there in the summers uh, as a high school student and learning so much about God through wonderful teachers and doing a month-long uh, servant leadership program called Caleb um, when I was uh, going before I went into college and just taking time to memorize scripture. And you'd have to clean toilets and then meet with the executive staff. And it was just really interesting dynamic with 12 of us being up there for that month, month and a half. And God really moved in my life and taught me a lot uh, through that time. And I can look back and see God's faithfulness in, in relationship trials and hardship and, um, and injury in sports and just circumstances and hardship, uh, injury and, and travel and other things. And yet God is faithful. And as we look back at his wonder, wondrous acts in our lives, we can have confidence and hope for the future. So that's what I have for us this morning. Again, to sum it up, we must come to God humbly and acknowledge our need. We must put our hope in the character and promises of God and we must make our requests known to God with confidence and hope in Christ. Um, church family, it is a blessing, even though we can't be together in person, to be together um, to study God's word this morning, to worship. And just as being up in Hume was a great reminder of the sweet fellowship that we have in our church, and we look forward to that time to be together in person again, I encourage you to be intentional uh, as you're able and as it's uh, safe or appropriate to reach out and, and continue to pursue fellowship um, with people in our church, other believers that you know, we need one another to sharpen one another, to encourage one another, um, especially during this time of isolation and, and difficulty. So we serve a good God. He's faithful. He loves you. And he responds um, to us when we, when we cry out to him, when we call out to him. Let me pray. Lord God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your love and faithfulness to us. We worship and praise you. And we thank you, God, that you're a God who, who hears you're a God who responds. You're a God who redeems. And we thank you, Lord, for the ultimate sign that you've given us in the Lord Jesus Christ, that we can look to him, look to you, Lord, and what you've accomplished on our behalf uh, for great hope and great confidence. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Good to be together again, and we will talk to you and see you next week.